0: Welcome back to another episode of the Unframe of Mind show, where we have uncomfortable conversations without a condom. I'm your host, Daniel Wagner, and my guest today is Theodore, the executive director of crowdfundedgovernment.com, advocating for voluntarily funding public services without taxation, taking power out of lobbyist hands and handing it back to the people. Sounds like a potential move in the right direction... But as an anarcho-capitalist, I'm a bit skeptical. Today, I plan on poking holes in his idea to change the way in which we handle our public funding services. Uh, welcome to the show, Theodore. Hi,
1: Daniel. Good morning. How are you
0: doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a great week. Got a little rested up from the vacation, and then now we're ready to rock and roll and start blowing people's minds with new ideas again.
1: Yeah, thanks for squeezing me on the busy recording schedule. I greatly appreciate
0: it. No pressure now. So I got I got a vast, vast audience that is hungry for a good mind blow, and I'm hoping maybe you're the guy who can do that today. I can usually deliver that, yeah. All right, well, let's see what you got. Well, I wanted to have you on because you have this interesting idea, this idea about crowdfunding government, uh, basically taking the whole funding model that we currently have and switching it around so that the the, the people can actually pick and choose what they fund and how they fund it. Is that... Would you, would you mind telling us a bit about how you plan on doing it, or what, what, is, what is crowdfunded government and what, and what is your plan for that?
1: You got the basics right. So you take the political system that we have now, your voting, your politicians, your institutions, your constitution, your states, your cities, everything remains the same, except for, for one critical twist, which is when it comes time to pay your taxes— pay for the services that operate. There is no longer a gun placed in your face. It is your choice and it should be your right to choose how much to pay and which programs to pay for. So there should not be a gun forcing you to pay a certain amount for public services. That's as simple as crowdfunding government gets. That's the only change that I advocate making to the political system.
0: So so far in your experience uh, of, of having conversations with people about this topic, what what are the implications of making that change it, it, it sounds like a small change but it's quite quite a considerable change in the way we currently do things like what are, what are some of the potential uh, issues you've come across so far?
1: Well, it definitely depends on who you're talking to if you're talking to just a straight Republican Democrat status sort of an individual, the questions are more along the lines of, what if nobody pays? What if people don't pay enough for important programs? What if somebody doesn't pay enough for what I think is important, but they don't think is important? And those are those are relatively easy scenarios to consider. And obviously, like you mentioned, whenever I start talking to people with more of an anarcho-bend, uh, they are still angry at the word government. So it seems like no matter who I talk to, there's always an objection from one angle or another. So ah, to the first so, group, I believe. To yeah, the first but, group, I believe I can provide answers. To the second group, if you don't like government, I'll just tell you right now, you're not going to like crowdfunding government because I'm not proposing taking government out of the scenario. I'm just proposing stopping the way that it's funded coercively.
0: Oh well, th- see that—that's to me the uh, definition of a government is the coercive, you know, taxation through force, and, and that that is how government is formed, that's the fundamental difference between a, a government and, say, a private charity. It, yeah, in- absolutely, and
1: that's the one of the struggles that, that I have, and I've talked about this with probably over 100 people at this point, and we cannot figure out a better word to use because when it comes to marketing, trying to explain this system to somebody, the simplest way to do it is to say it's a voluntarily crowdfunded government. Yeah, throughout history, the only way that we've known government is a coercively funded one in which the king gets his tribute. So throughout time, the king demands his money, and if you don't give your money to the king, eventually you'll be killed. And this is actually still true today. If you don't pay your taxes and resist long enough, they will come, and if you violently oppose their violence, you will die. That will be the end of it, and that's the consequence for not paying taxes. So that does raise the question: what is a crowdfunded government if it doesn't require you to pay? And my argument is you should still call it a government. It's still it, it's still something that governs you. It's still something with politicians and institutions. I don't I looked at the definition of government. Nowhere does it say it has to steal from you. It's just that's the reason that's that's how it's always been. That's the, the way it's operated. But for no reason should it be coercively funded. That's just due to a lack of technology and imagination.
0: Okay, so as far as the, the everyday common taxpayer is concerned, as far as the Republicans and Democrats, and, and you said their concern was what happens if people don't contribute quite enough to this particular platform?
1: Well, to me, it comes down to importance. and for what government does, it should be important and it should be something that you want to pay for. If something is not able to raise enough you're not, if you're not able to raise enough money, for a government program because enough people don't consider it important well why should it exist at the level that you want it to exist or that the politicians want it to exist at you have no right over somebody else's money you have no right to tell somebody you must spend your money on this because i have determined that this is an important program because if it's important the, mark, the free market of government dollars, essentially, are your tax dollars, will go towards programs that people find to be important. Do people find education to be important? Do people find roads to be important? Generally, they say so. So let's have people put their money where their mouth is.
0: Okay, so let's take that, that concrete example of education what would be better about a crowdfunded government-style funding of public education versus a private education where people fund it just by paying directly to the schools? Um, I wouldn't say there's an
1: advantage over the two. People should just have the option. If you don't want to give money to the public system, you don't have to. Just like if you don't want to give to a private system, you don't have to. It's, it's your money. It's, it, this is a purely a property rights argument. If you have the right to your property, to your money, if you want it to go to a private system of education, great. If you want it to go to a public system of education, great. If you want to pay for a public system while also paying for a private system, you can do both. It's your money. Do what you want with it.
0: I'm a big advocate of free market as much as possible. And I feel like if you try to have a platform where... The money is going into a public coffer and then then redistributed out amongst schools all over the nation. The overhead cost is going to be completely uncompetitive with private market schools. And they can't address the individual issues necessarily of the individual areas in which they operate as efficiently and as quickly as a private option could do. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, in theory, it seems like an interesting idea, a nice step in the right direction as far as I'm concerned about completely eliminating government altogether. But I I don't... Uh, It
1: it very well could be. Um, It could also be a scenario where people want to pay more money to certain programs. Like, for example, on the North Shore of Chicago, these socialists love voting for higher taxes. They have some of the nicest schools and roads that I've ever seen, and I've been... All over the nation, they have very nice public services on the north shore of Chicago, and they like to pay for it. Now, there could be communities like you're talking about where they would rather give less, but I think that's a decision that people should make voluntarily. They, if, if there's people in a high tax community, maybe they want to give more voluntarily. Maybe they don't. Oh and yeah, yeah. That should be everybody's uh, choice. No, so Could I'm be not, a step in the right direction.
0: I'm not talking about necessarily the amount they want to give. It's about where they give. The money, too. Um, like, what, what do you mean by the north shore of Chicago? Is that a specific county or is that a specific area that has its own circulation of government funds? Is that what you're meaning?
1: Yeah, there, there are some suburbs on the north shore of uh, Lake Michigan. So the, the, the north side of Chicago, there's some suburbs that are very happy to increase taxes every chance they get. They, they love taxation. They love their public services. They have some of the highest ranked public high schools in the nation. Because they dedicate so many resources to them.
0: That's interesting. It's 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 funded for a small area, though. That's kind of I guess that's the direction I'm pointing anyway. Yeah. is Versus and, and, and a full that was, federal. And that was
1: the direction that I liked that you were going in because one of the fundamental ideas behind a crowdfunded government, at least in my mind, is I always advocate for localism. I think the government that administers locally will have the least amount of corruption and the most transparency. So I am an advocate of any program that can be done at the state level instead of the federal level should be done as locally as possible. If it could be done at the county level instead of the, the state level.
0: Bring and then, it and in then down to down, the city down. level.
1: It could be done at the neighborhood level instead of the city level. Bring it down. Take every program as transparently as possible. Put the budget out and run it as locally as possible. Because just like you were saying, the system that we have of a big bureaucratic the federal Department of Education And the grants that go to the different school systems and the complicated funding mechanisms that take place that no matter how hard they try, nobody's ever happy with how much money is going to the schools. Just stop with all the excuses. From now on, the only excuse is people didn't find it important enough to give enough money to the school system. That's fine. I don't like any of these other excuses as to why public education fails in some circumstances.
0: Well, let me shift directions on you a bit here. Uh, as far as I can tell, you do have quite the challenge ahead of you. I mean, you have to convince people that taxation is theft and not voluntary in its current form, which seems to be more troublesome than I at first thought. You have to convince them that the solution is to make it voluntary through a crowdfunded format, and you you have to convince them that your specific solution is the right way to go, which is easier said than done. I, I guess my question is, what, what would be your plan to attack those particular hurdles, or how are you trying to break through those current ideas?
1: Well, the first one would be, if people want to continue paying taxes and they don't have a problem with it, then I think that's pretty simple. There should always be an option, and there should always be an advocacy for this voluntarily crowdfunding government idea, you can always just give the same amount you gave last year to every program. It doesn't have to be a big change for most people. I would always want that underlined. I think the best way that you advocate for something like this is you take your existing tax dollars that you have at, let's say, a county level or a city level, and you allow people to distribute some percentage of them to different buckets. I think you introduce the idea of voluntary choice that way. I think that results in people getting excited about it. Hey, last year we set up ten percent of our money in different buckets. Why don't we do twenty percent this year? Why don't we do fifty percent eventually? Well sorry and
0: sorry to I interrupt here, but the first problem is I'm seeing is is people don't necessarily think that the way the tax system is now is involuntary. It seems to be quite a challenge to convince people that what they're doing involves a gun in the room. Like people just are oh, completely it's, blind it's, to it.
1: Actually, It's actually easy enough. There's always a hot button issue happening. And right now, uh, at least a few months ago, was the border wall. It was very easy to explain to a Democrat that they have a gun placed in their face, forcing them to pay for a border wall that they disagree with. Yet when you take it issue by issue, you start to figure it out. And there's another good one that just happened recently that came to light, that they were wrapping uh, illegal immigrants up like burritos and they were putting them in detention centers and people are screaming at how bad those facilities are well don't you wish you had the ability to pay more money to make sure that we weren't treating people like burritos we could put them in five-star hotels with the amount of outrage that's being developed over these programs and that's an example of how you could actually convince somebody to give more money you don't necessarily have to make the taxation taxationist theft argument Even though it's one of the most popular messages that you can have in sort of a liberty movement, it's actually one of the least popular messages because it's so, arguing that taxation is theft is a philosophically difficult argument to make to the average person. It's not a very successful one, and when they do polling on it, they test that idea or that philosophy. It actually doesn't poll very well. It doesn't actually resonate very well. I don't think you have to make the argument. I'd like to make that argument. I think it's a fun discussion to have, but you don't have to make that argument. You can just simply tell somebody, hey, doesn't it kind of irritate you how you're forced to pay money to programs you disagree with? Don't you wish you could give more of your money to certain programs and less of your money to other programs? You don't have to take an extremely radical approach to sell a crowdfunded government idea. I think that's always what I've been trying to focus on is how do you mainstream the idea? The majority of people that you're trying to convince are not going to be red-pilled libertarians or or anarcho-capitalists. Your average person is going to be generally a statist and generally adheres to, finds themselves leaning more towards one party or another without necessarily questioning the role or function of government in society. So that's the person I try to, that's the person I'm trying to sell the message to.
0: So when you were speaking about people willing to pay for Trump's wall versus not wanting to pay for Trump's wall, I know how the wall is actually paid for is is just one aspect of this equation. You know, whether or not the wall should be there to begin with is a whole nother thing altogether. How would this strategy solve that particular problem, you know, say if enough people do fund this wall, but there's a a majority of the population doesn't even want it there to begin with? If if that were the
1: case, that's the reason why I don't advocate eliminating voting, because you just described a situation that really shouldn't exist, which is how is there a popularly elected politician putting forth a program that the majority of people disagree with? Wouldn't that politician be voted out? Wouldn't that make them a tyrant? So I don't understand how in the long run it's an ebb and flow with a crowdfunded government. You have the dollars on one hand, which are going to the programs, but those programs are only available to be supported if politicians are putting them into action. And if politicians are proposing unpopular programs, they won't last for very long. I think that's a similar discussion that is often had about this idea regarding What if you had somebody who was very wealthy and they were giving to this extremely unpopular government program incredible amounts of money and it was having detrimental effects on society? Or maybe there was some type of regulatory capture going on in which this person or this corporation or this group of people were able to support a a government program that people hated. Well, how is that politician going to last very long? How is that group of politicians supporting for and voting for that program going to last very long? So I, if you have a situation in which uh, a very wealthy person or group of people is giving money to an unpopular program, uh, there's a balancing act in a crowdfunded government. You have your votes on one side, and the votes are coming from all the people for the politicians who are proposing the programs. On the other hand, You have the people voluntarily giving their dollars to the programs. If there was the odd circumstance in which there was a politician or a group of politicians proposing programs that were not popular and that, for example, had regulatory capture or other unfair effects on the people and the markets, the people's dollars would still be going to those programs because they're unpopular but giving a benefit to a small group of people. But those politicians theoretically shouldn't last very long. Um, just, like, uh, just like it should work in a, uh, in a democracy and, of course, in a republic, but, of course, that's not always the case. And that's the reason why if you, if you fear these sorts of situations in a crowdfunded government, it's going to happen under a regular government, too. The nice part about a crowdfunded government is it's much more transparent whenever it happens, that you can actually see these programs and these dollars going towards them. So at least it gives the people a more transparent opportunity to vote out those who are proposing unpopular programs.
0: So right now with the political divide as it is, uh, at the beginning you mentioned you wouldn't change anything else except the funding structure. Would you also change the way – like who in government has control over the purse, which right now would be our legislative branch?
1: In the short run, no. In the short run, I would just advocate that occasionally people get to choose where their dollars go, maybe a small percentage of them as a transitory state. But yeah, eventually the system of, of setting up budgets would remain unchanged. You would still have politicians proposing budgets and agreeing to them and voting for them. But the the major change just simply comes in that each dollar is no longer taken involuntarily. And that would be the end goal would be no dollars are taken involuntarily. And, and that everybody gives to the programs that they actually support.
0: Who would oversee this? Would it be a A public or a private institution that would oversee something like this to make sure that everything is on the up and up.
1: The same government that does it now. It's uh, it it doesn't require like for example, people say end the IRS, and I'm like, well, you know, you would still need an organization that takes all the money in and make sure it gets distributed correctly. Now, whether uh, that includes blockchain.
0: uh, Now that you said that, I mean, we did have, uh, you know, money was coming in just fine before the IRS.
1: Yeah, exactly, and there, there's always been departments of revenues. There is a there is a department of the treasury, right? There are these people in these institutions that handle money in, money out. So I don't believe that uh, crowdfunding government requires a significant change. Um, I have mentioned in the architecture of crowdfunding government, sort of the, the what is crowdfunding government? The idea that there might be a need to treat that division with a special brush, essentially. Because that money that is needed to run crowdfunded government would have to be separate from the rest of the monies. That gets into a little more technical, sort of a hypothetical discussion. But the long and short of it is you really don't need to change much in regards to how do you handle this situation. In fact, you can save money because you don't have to send goons with guns to people's houses to collect it.
0: No, that, that part makes sense, and I, and I agree with you that it, it would be much better if taxation was voluntary, which is an oxymoron in terms, but we'll, we'll, we'll go with it for now. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just like government, voluntary, taxation,
1: voluntary. I think the word contribution maybe makes more sense than taxation, but you know I would still use the words government and tax, because that's what people know. You have to use the language that people know. Sometimes you don't have to fight the battle of the lexicon. Can oh, are you use kidding
0: the me? Existing words. <laughs> that's that's how that's how political debates are won all the time. That's that's exactly how we how we have all these people in power that we currently do because of the changes in the lexicon and the changes in just the way people perceive ideas. But that's a whole other podcast, anyway. What exactly. I, what I, what I would be curious about. So, so I'm just trying to follow along here. So I'm assuming maybe there would be some kind of a form or a questionnaire or maybe some kind of an app or something where I would contribute the amount of money I want to contribute, money, and then. Uh, like, I'm trying to think practically how this might actually look, and then I would get to vote. You know, I want to put $5 into this program, this program, and I get a list of programs that, that are proposed. Something. Am I something along the lines of what you're thinking?
1: Yeah, basically the, the way that I envision the, the end goal um, is much more complex than the initial. The initial proposal would just be, hey, let's say there's five buckets um, that you can choose where the last 10% of your property taxes go. <laughs> 90% is still involuntarily distributed to the rest of them, and maybe just a few buckets. But, you know, the more sexy idea, the crowdfund the entire federal government voluntarily. My, my vision for every government program should be that you have the labor, materials, assets, and equipment required to operate each program. And each level of government and each department would have to decide how specific to get in regards to what they call a quote-unquote program. But that's the basics, is get it down to a size where you can actually read each program and what it's actually doing how many people how much equipment does it take what are the materials that they purchase to do these different programs then there's a sliding scale for each program so if a program receives hundred percent of the money in its budget it can do a hundred percent of what it has listed if it only receives 10% then it can only do 10% of what's listed so each government program creates a contingency for the different amounts of funding that it could potentially receive and then exactly like you said When the time comes, you're adding money to government programs a la carte, one by one. Or maybe I've had this idea involving like an influencer. Like let's say, for example, you had your Ben Shapiro. You could take Ben Shapiro's ideas in regards to which programs to fund on a percentage basis. You would just submit for all the federal programs, I want the Ben Shapiro list. And then you just take all those all those programs that he wants funded or doesn't want funded on the percentages that he recommends or take any thought leader or political leader. That would be how you could efficiently do something like this, because it's not I don't know how realistic it is for somebody to look over tens of thousands of programs, but it certainly is realistic for thought leaders and those with a lot of time and expertise on their hands to provide those recommendations.
0: So I almost wonder if the, because you're talking about going more local, which I, I agree with, I would prefer we go local all the way down to the individual, but even if we're going local, it's like on a federal level, and we, ha- we have these programs we're trying to fund, maybe say we, we need to get some kind of infrastructure built in Arkansas, but I live all the way in Wyoming, I could care less about that. It's like, would that be something that I would have the ability to vote on too, that maybe... Oh well we don't want we don't want that that a uh, program going on over another state or another you know I'm talking about interstate commerce type uh, scenarios that do have an effect on a federal level or are currently ran on a federal level. Yeah would people I, I from might not another vote. Well yeah I
1: might, I might because voting would be unchanged. I would just say that why would you want to give to a program that you don't find important. So yeah absolutely the program should be broken down by geography.
0: Oh no or so advocate to Or advocate to not have funding, say there's for some reason there's some kind of I'm just I'm just thinking hypotheticals, just silly ones here at this point. But as far as, you know, maybe there's some kind of tension between the two or what have you. And then you have some kind of influencer over in Wyoming uh, advocating for not funding this program over here because, you know, this, that and the, the other reason and convince, you know, is there is there, how much power would other localities on a federal level have over each other in something like this? Or it's, it's, it's kind of a weird question I'm trying to formulate here, but I think you understand what I'm trying to ask. I was,
1: I was hoping you were going to go the direction of like the bridge to nowhere. There's a bridge in Alaska that services almost no people with almost no commercial value that somehow a senator and a representative snuck into some funding bills on a federal level. That's the type of choice you should have as a taxpayer, as a citizen. You should not have to pay for stuff you don't believe in. The programs should definitely be specific enough to allow you to or not to pay for a bridge to nowhere in Alaska.
0: I definitely agree with the direction of being able to choose what I pay for in my taxes. That would be fantastic. I'm just trying to think of the actual, how do you actually get it in there? What, what would you what would like some practical first steps, like from take this current system as it is right now what, what do you think would be like the first little wedge in, the first little foot in the door from this point moving forward?
1: Take a city or a county budget, maybe the property taxes, the last 10%, you get to choose out of your currently collected taxes which bucket you want that final 10% to go into. Let's say there's three, four, five buckets, and we get to choose ourselves where the money goes, and either people like it or they don't. I think people would love it. The idea to have some choice of where your tax dollars go. The first question they would then have is, why are we stopping at ten percent? Why not twenty? Why not thirty?
0: Well, let me let me stop you there. That that would be that sounds more like a step thirty-seven in this case. Um, how do we even get to that point, to where you're you're able to start even recommending these ideas and having them reasonably considered by politicians? I think
1: uh, as local as possible, somebody's going to propose this idea eventually. It's inevitable with the technology that we have. This is—with the, the success of crowdfunding in general, the idea of people choosing where their money goes on a very micro level, it's inevitable that politicians will eventually propose it.
0: I don't know. I, I might disagree with you on that because that's a clear con- conflict of interest for a politician to have part of their power taken away, to give basically give part of their power away. Because you're, you're asking, well— Maybe if the politician be willing to give up 10% of their power, then maybe eventually the people will wake up and give away 20, 30. Well, people in power aren't stupid. They know if they give away a little, they're eventually going to have to give away a lot. So, I mean, I don't see it in their interest whatsoever to even come close to proposing something like this.
1: Maybe possibly not in their uh, in their power interest, but certainly in their political interest. Consider yourself for an example. Which, which politician would you prefer? The politician that allows you to choose where zero percent of your money goes or the politician that allows you to choose where 10 percent of your money goes i definitely agree with you that from a power perspective it's not smart but from a political perspective it's dynamite i mean that is that is a winning political strategy freedom and liberty generally win when you allow people to have control of themselves their money greater control will lead to more votes so i would say giving people that freedom Leads to more votes. I, I,
0: so, I agree with you. I agree with you that it could be better. The problem is right now, our political system on a federal level is so locked up between Republicans and Democrats who work, they do work together on some things, such as keeping dissenting opinions out of the debate ring, far as you have to have a certain percentage of the vote, and to even Step on that stage. Say a libertarian like Ron Paul years ago. For him to get up on the stage, he would have to have a certain percentage of of the vote to even have a chance on the stage. And that particular process is controlled so tightly by Republicans and Democrats, who both agree that hey, we've got this lock on power. We may disagree on these on these topics, and we're going to put on a show about you know battle between them. But at the end of the day those two parties do have a, a one hell of a lock on power and they will not let go lightly. Yeah,
1: I think that's the reason why I advocate localism
0: mm.
1: because you're right. Starting at the federal level is not the way to go.
0: So you're talking about, let's start maybe the smallest possible level that we're currently taxed on would be probably the city level in, in most cases or the county level. Yeah, I'm start not really sure.
1: Started, the real goal would be to move the Overton window slightly towards volunteerism in the payment for public services. As soon as that becomes an acceptable idea of discourse, that's where you start to see movement at a state level and at a federal level. But like you said, it's not even an acceptable idea to discuss on a federal level at this point until you prove that it works at a whole
0: right, right. Well, let me ask you what your thoughts are on implementing blockchain in this particular crowdfunded government design.
1: First of all, if I would have called this blockchain government a few years ago when I really started pushing it, I think I'd be on the cover of Forbes already, because that's what this is, is taking the money and directly taking it from a source and then putting it into directly into a program. So some people have suggested to me, why wouldn't there be a blockchain involved here? Aren't you describing a blockchain? Absolutely. I think the, I think the role of a blockchain would be crucial in this to identify that your dollars were correctly given to the programs that you wanted them to go to.
0: Right. That that would be incredible. I, I wouldn't say it's too late for rebranding at this point for you. I mean, uh, I, I would say that now's as good a time as any to change it if you feel like that would be the right move because blockchain is still pretty hot and people are looking I mean, for those kind of solutions. Yeah.
1: When when I came up with the name, the reason why crowdfunded is two words is because crowdfund wasn't even uh, web- word when i came up with the idea and that's when crowdfunding was hot but at the moment you know bitcoin's having its uh, uh the, the, the next the next big rally mm-hmm. and uh crypto is hotter than ever so yeah i think if i were smart i would call it blockchain government but you know crowdfunded government really does describe what i want on the simplest level
0: right i do i do like the name it does make um- sense especially for people that don't understand blockchain because blockchain government really then then it gives you an additional layer of complication in that those challenges that I set up for you at the beginning of the podcast is, is not not only on top of convincing them taxation's theft and that the solution is to make it crowdfunded and that your specific solution is the right way to go, but then you also have to educate them on blockchain and, and why that is the way to go. So yeah, I, I like I like the idea of you keeping it as crowdfunded government and then have and then people who are interested in blockchain can also find out, hey, this is this is part of this implementation. We have a way to actually track the money and make sure some accountability. That's, that's what I was going for earlier is like with the accountability of it all. Really, it doesn't have to be a public or private institution that tracks the accountability of it. If it's on blockchain because it can be decentralized and people can verify their transactions uh, independently.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great idea for transparency. And, yeah, keeping the word government in the in the title, I know, is irritating to other people as well. So I'm never going to please everybody. It's a blockchain idea, but I wouldn't put blockchain. I call it government, but it's, it wouldn't really be a government, quote-unquote, as we understand it. Um, so messaging is difficult in oh, yeah. something like this. Oh, yeah, absolutely, uh,
0: absolutely. But, but that's, I, yeah, I that's do the love biggest... the idea of really
1: pushing it. And I have had a lot of people who are in the crypto space be interested in the idea simply because – It does, when you start thinking about it, immediately conjure thoughts of a gigantic series of blockchains, identifying where your money goes, his money goes, her money goes to these different programs to make sure that at the end of it, all the money could be independently verified to add up, to avoid any corruption.
0: That would be fantastic. Move in the right direction for sure. And And I honestly think as blockchain and this technology continues to grow I honestly think government's going to become a, a relic of the past. So we, we really don't wouldn't have any need for it anymore because we needed the government to handle those things that we couldn't independently verify, the, the bigger projects that needed to be done, and blockchain allows us to do that. So I, I, I just feel like we're moving in that direction. Maybe your idea is a step in the right direction on that path, but I don't feel like that's the ultimate end game. I feel like personally, I feel like the ultimate end game is we all are independent, able to uh, you know control ourselves, move toward anarchy, if you will.
1: That's fine. Do whatever you want with the idea. If crowdfunding government allows you to move towards anarchy, that's fine. And some people on the North Shore of Chicago would use crowdfunding to move toward communism. They would have communes, voluntary communes on the North Shore of Chicago. Oh yeah. my words. Oh yeah. If they were allowed to.
0: And that and that falls under anarchy. That that's absolutely falls under anarchy. I'm I'm okay with that. As, as long as yeah, it's voluntary. And I, know,
1: <laughs> I know that the people talk about anarcho-communism like it's a joke, but they don't understand that if you remove coercion, You can have anarcho-communism. It's not a stupid or crazy idea. Some of my biggest supporters are anarcho-communists who are like, come on, just let us try this idea where voluntarily I want my community to only give money to what we believe in. Everybody who lives in that community voluntarily agrees to give X percent of their money. So (laughs) essentially it works out to a voluntary communist system. But just without the guns, without yeah. the mass starvation, without the force.
0: Yeah, I'm perfectly and, you know, okay with that. is a
1: real idea, and an idea like crowdfunded government even fits that. It's Crowdfunded government is the perfect idea for any political philosophy that you have besides authoritarian collectivism. Any other idea, it works out great with.
0: Yeah, I could definitely say that. And, and, and listen, is there is there any other thing that you'd like to add today that we might have forgot to cover?
1: Uh, no, I think, I think you hit all the major points.
0: No, I, I I do like the idea. I'm I'm intrigued by it. So so I, I do hope you uh, do succeed in some capacity. That would be interesting to see how that continues to develop and continues to grow. And if you if there is any major uh, revelations or any major changes that do start to happen, especially on local levels in some municipality, for example um, I'd be glad to have you back on and we can discuss the uh, what, what's happened and how it's uh, Having an in- impact and maybe we can start to open people's eyes to your particular idea. That would be great
1: Absolutely. And hey, if, if you bump into anybody who hates the idea, let's have a debate We got the ability to have of multiple connections here. Let's let's get everybody on the line and let's have people explain to me why why voluntary choice is a stupid idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm lukewarm to the idea overall. It's it's I'm not I don't I don't love it. I don't hate it, but I do see the the value in it. So that's kind of where I'm standing. I, I don't I don't feel strongly enough against it to try to tell you how much I hate it. So there's, <laughs> I think I've pretty much covered all of my concerns with it so far. So where can folks reach you if they want to get more information about this?
1: blog is the best first place, uh, www.crowdfundedgovernment.com. You can check out some frequently asked questions. What is crowdfunded government? Uh, archive of different blog posts that I've done, as well as the archive of all the different podcast appearances that I've been on. So you can start to hear more about the idea. But where I really want to find you is in the mean streets of Twitter, hit me up at crowdfundedgov. Come and tell me how stupid the idea is. Have your statist uncle tell me how stupid the idea is. I love debate. I love controversy. I love changing people's minds. And I love it whenever people tweet me on saying, crowdfunded government is a stupid idea because. Perfect. Bring, bring me your statist uncle and have him start every tweet at me with exactly that phrase. And I am so happy to argue about
0: it all day. So obviously, it's what I love to do. At crowdfundedgov on Twitter. Well, appreciate you coming on and sharing your ideas with us. Uh, I look forward to hearing some more as it moves forward.
1: Appreciate it, Daniel.